Hey guys, today the Clippers and the Mavericks played. Uh, the Clippers came out on top. There's, there will be a game seven. It's going to be at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Sunday, which is the early morning game actually for the Clippers because they're in L.A., so it'll be like a 12.30 game for them. And, you know, I was looking at their noon, afternoon, noon uh, record, and it's not good. It's really not. They played the Mavericks in the afternoon early, like way early in the season. And that's the game where they lost by like 50. So like they have not been good in the afternoon. I'm not sure why. And you know what? They're, a lot of their players are older players. You know what I mean? Like Kawhi is a little bit older. Paul George is a little bit older. Marcus Morris is a little bit older. Uh, Reggie Jackson is a little bit older. Batum's old. Rondo's old. Um... And the Mavericks have young guys. Luca's young. Tim Hardaway is young. Finney Smith's young. So I expect the Mavericks to win that game. But let's, I, let's talk about this game. And I want to talk about a couple things. Three things. Actually, a couple things. I don't know. I don't want to put myself. I don't want to say like a number of things I want to talk about. It ends up being more or less. And then it's like, fuck. It sounds stupid then. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was... Just giving Kawhi Leonard his credit because, you know, it's been a lot like this series has just been about Luka, Luka, Luka. And because people didn't expect the Mavericks to be up 2-0, then be up 3-2. So it was a lot about Luka. But in that process, we forgot about how good Kawhi has been. Like game two, that man had 42, 41 points. Then game three and four, he was the best player. So... You know, he's been he's been a monster, and tonight he just put them on his back in that second half, especially that second half. I think it was, he finished with 45 points, and I think it was either 29 or 32 in the second half. I can't remember exactly, but it was either 29 or 32 in the second half. He made two threes down the stretch, one on Luka, one on Dorian Finney-Smith, and that really finished the game up. Although I do, like, it was kind of dumb, like, they were down, I believe, 10, and with one minute left, which is pretty much game over. But they did, f- let me check if I'm right about this. Let me make sure. Yeah, they fouled Reggie Jackson because uh, they got the offensive rebound, so they fouled Reggie Jackson, and that made it a 10-point game. So it was only an 8-point game with a minute left, and they would have had, I believe, uh the shot clock reset so 14 seconds and you know that it made it a 10 point game but if you look at they scored uh if if you get a stop right there and it's 90 to 98 what happened next was luca got a, a layup luca who else got who else scored someone else scored too i forgot who else scored oh yeah it was luca got a layup Luca got another layup. Then uh, Paul George missed a free throw. Luca made a three. So that's seven points right there that they got in like 30, 40 seconds. So you could have made that like a two, three, four point game instead of being down 10 with a minute left. Like, it, I don't know why, like, there's been a lot of questionable fouling at the end of games. I don't understand what a lot of these teams are doing. But Kawhi, he's been amazing this series, averaging like 34 points. 60% shooting, like 50 from three, 
you know, like 90 from the line. You know, he's been incredible. 45, 6, and 3 tonight. Mid-range, he's a god at the mid-range. Uh, you know, he took a lot of threes this game, which I do like. I don't I don't like him taking long twos. When he gets into, like, that 14, 12 to, like, 14 feet range, that's where it's cash. Um, yeah, just give Kawhi his credit. Like, he's been lost in how good Luka has been. He's been probably just as good or maybe like a little bit worse just like if Luca's been like a on 2k like a 97 overall Kawhi's been like a 96 so like he's been right there with Luca. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about was Paul George he didn't have a good game but I thought he his effort was elite tonight his effort on defense was elite tonight he had three blocks he only shot six for 15 but this is the bad shooting night that you can accept because he said i'm having a bad shooting night i'm getting 13 rebounds i'm getting six assists i'm getting three blocks you know i'm doing all of that thing i'm doing all of that to make up i'm gonna get to the line 10 times so i'm gonna i'm gonna be okay spotting up letting Kawhi close out the game but i'm gonna be doing everything else that i can and then in the fourth quarter i think he had like seven eight points so like he contributed in the fourth as well and most important, this is what I loved. This is what I loved, love, 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 love. He played 46 out of the 48 minutes. He said, this is the closeout game. I'm not going to sit down for seven, eight, nine minutes. I saw what happened last game. When I got in foul trouble, I picked up my fourth. And I had to sit in that end of that third quarter. And that's, the, that's when the Mavericks we went on like a 19-5 to five run or something. And that was pretty much game over. So, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm playing 46 fucking minutes. And he did that. He was really good tonight. I'm happy for him that, you know, he was able to contribute. And even though he was having a bad shooting night, you know, he showed that he can contribute in other ways. And that's one of, that's one of the problems that I've had with him in the past, where when he wasn't shooting the ball well, he was going three for 17 or whatever, they didn't feel like he was there doing other things to make up for it as well as he could have. And, uh, you know, so I'm happy that he was able to do that. Because I, I, I do want to see, like, these players succeed. Like, that does matter to me. You know, I don't want to just, I just don't, I don't want to just shit on a player constantly. Like, I do like seeing, you know, someone, <laughs> I don't like seeing someone struggle. But what, you know, you'll understand what I mean. I like when someone struggles and they come back and they prove themselves to be better than their struggles. So I was happy about Paul George doing that. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about, like I've talked about this before. I don't know why Marcus Morris is on this team. He, all, this happens all the time with him. He played 40 minutes tonight. He had four points, three rebounds, one assist. One for 10 shooting. That's all he gave you tonight. That's all he gave you. You're paying that man $16 million a year. I don't understand why he's on the team. He provides nothing. When you already have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, you don't need Marcus Morris out there. You really don't. What you need is probably a, like a shock creator type or some something like that. Not just another guy that needs the ball to be effective. And who doesn't, like I said about Paul George, like Paul George is having an off shooting night. He'll go get you 13 rebounds, 5, 6 assists, 3 blocks, 46 minutes of you know, intense energy play. 
Marcus Morris doesn't do that. He's not getting you 10 boards. He's not playmaking out there. He's not playing elite defense out there. So I've, I've, I've never been a huge fan of Marcus Morris. I do think there's a role for him, for him, for him on some teams. Like, I think the Celtics could use him again. They need that toughness. They need something like that. But for the Clippers, I never thought he was a great fit there. Just because he just... What his skills are, aren't needed there. Um, so, yeah, 41 minutes, 4 points, 3 rebounds, 1 assist. 1 for 10 shooting. This happens a lot. This happens a lot with him. This is probably not the first time in this series that he scored under, like, 6 points or something like that. Uh, okay, so the next thing I wanted to talk about was Luca. You know, you look at his uh, box score, 29 points, 8 rebounds, 11 assists, 4 steals, only 3 turnovers, you know, 46% shooting. But the thing I wanted to talk about him was the fourth quarters. Like, I've noticed this before, but it was only a couple games, and they had won. And, you know, I noticed it again in game 5, but once again... They won the game. And game three and four, it was like blowout. So it's like, who cares? Um, And he was injured. So it's like, it's hard to blame it. But game five, I noticed it. And tonight, you definitely noticed it. In the fourth quarter, Luca is averaging two points per game. I love Luca. I really do. I think he's a great player. I think he's very fun. I think he's added a mid-range game. He can shoot the three. Um, you know, he can get into the paint. He can finish there. He's not making his little floaters, which is shocking because he was so elite at it the last two or three years now. You know, his touch isn't as good in the postseason right now. But, you know, for a guy that's, for a player that's called, you know, the best 21, 22-year-old ever. And, you know, I heard a lot of people talking about he's better than, LeBron in his first three years, and I still don't think that's true. I think when you look at the teams that LeBron had around him and, like, the teams that Luka has around him, you know, you can talk about talent-wise. It's not like it's not like Luka has elite talent around him, but they're built perfectly around him. You know, I don't compare this to early LeBron teams. I compare this to, like, the 2018 LeBron team, where, yeah, it's not elite talent around him but there's 40% three point shooters around him everywhere he's got the most spacing that he can ask for and when you don't have like a like a like another star or superstar next to you that's really the best you can ask for you know make the game easy for me just have as much spacing available for me and you know if you look at the LeBron teams Vergeau was a good player. Drew Gooden was a good player. Big Z was a good player. Uh, Eric Snow was not a good player, but like, okay, whatever. So it was a bunch of players that were fine, but they weren't spacing the floor for LeBron. LeBron was in a crowd every single possession. It was four players in the paint every time LeBron drove. And if you look at like their advanced stats, it's still LeBron by like a little bit. And I think it's probably by more than just a little bit when you consider all the the spacing factors and, like, the context of it. So I don't think Luka right now is as good as LeBron when he was 22, 21, 22. But 
you know, like if you look at just the raw stats, it will look that way. Um, so, you know, for a player that's being compared to LeBron and everyone else who's like 21, 22, and like saying he's the best ever, like he's averaging two points per game in the fourth quarter. That's not good. And it's under like 20, it's like 24% shooting, something like that. So he, he needs to have a big fourth quarter if it's a close game in game seven, and he needs to close that thing out. He has to close it out. You can't be up 2-0, then up 3-2, and you're the greatest 21, 22-year-old ever. He has to close that game out. Um, so, yeah, that's the other thing I want to talk about. The last thing I wanted to talk about was what a disaster Kristaps Porzingis has been. He's pretty much just turned into a spot-up three-point shooter. Like, like I don't want to keep rattling on him because, you know, I've already done that in the past, how... He's not an aggressive roller to the rim. He's not a good post-up player. He's not really a great three-point shooter. He does have range, so he spreads players out further. But, and when he does, he does dunk powerfully. Like, when he does go to the rim, it is with power. But he doesn't get to the line. He doesn't rebound. He's not really a good defender. He's not rim protecting. So, the fall that Christos Przingis has taken has been very shocking because I think when they got Kristaps we were all thinking oh Luca and Kristaps they're gonna run the west for the next 10 years and Luca probably is he is gonna run the west for a long time or he's gonna be in contention to run the west for a long time but Kristaps I don't know what he's gonna do you know so that's that's just been the shocking part I suppose but I think the Mavericks will win game seven. I just think they put so much effort into this game that I don't think they're going to have enough energy to close it out. And it's not like they have a good home crowd that's going to get them so pumped up and excited that they're going to, you know, get up for the game. I just don't think they have that. Um... Maybe Kawhi and Paul George are able to go off, but I don't trust, like, the other players. I really don't trust. Like, Reggie Jackson has been good, but I'm not sure I trust him in a game seven. Marcus Morris, I don't think he's very good. Batum, I don't know what you're going to get, and their bench gives them absolutely nothing tonight. So I'm not really sure if they're going to have enough for game seven. And on the other hand, Luka, you know, he didn't have that big explosive scoring game. Everyone else didn't either, and I think they're due for like another big shooting night. And Luca, he loves playing in LA, so I expect the Mavericks to beat them, and that that would be my prediction. All right, now let's talk about the second round matchups, and I just want to talk about what the the key matchups are, what I'm looking for, and how each team is going to win. So let's start off with. The best one, and that is, of course, the 76ers against the Hawks. No, I'm just kidding. Let's talk. Let's start about the Bucks and the Nets because I think that might just be that is this year's finals. Like, I'm sorry to the West teams. I'm actually not sorry. I don't give a fuck. I don't know them personally, so I think this will be the finals. I think these are the last two best teams left, especially with Embiid being injured. I think so. The key matchups I'm looking for is just who's guarding who. 
you know, I don't think Giannis is going to guard Kevin Durant the entire time. I think he's going to have him every now and then. Who's Drew going to be guarding? Is he going to be on Kyrie or is he going to be on James? Is Middleton going to be on KD or is he going to be on one of the guards if Giannis is on KD? And the Nets' defense against the Celtics, it wasn't very good. Like, any time that the Celtics wanted to get to the paint, they could. It was just that, especially against James Harden and Kyrie, it felt like any time they wanted to get to the rim, they could. Except then Kemba was... Except, like, the sometimes the Nets would make, like, a three or two threes in a row, and then the Celtics would be like, okay, now we got to make a three. And then they would break it, and the Nets would come down and make another three, so now it's like, fuck. You know, we can't just, like keep exchanging twos for threes so they would just keep making they would just keep taking like bad threes and Kemba specifically I hated watching Kemba in that series um so the the Nets defense isn't that good the the Bucks have a good offense so it's just gonna get highlighted maybe more so even in this series and they have a pretty good defense and I think their defense got much better it looked much better in that Miami series with how well they were switching everything, with how Giannis was like, I'll guard the best player, with how well PJ, PJ Tucker looked, with how well Drew was on, on the guards. So I think, and if you look at them, just if you look at their, the, the two teams' big threes, the Bucks' big three is a two-way big three. Because if you have Giannis, Middleton, Drew, you have like a top five offense and a top five defense. With the Nets' big three, I think you have a top one offense and probably by like a margin between one and two. But you probably have like, if they, if they were together like the entire season, they'd probably be like a top 17, 18, 19, 20 defense. So, it's really going to, we're really going to see how much defense matters right now against this team. And I don't think this, I don't think if the Nets win and they just demolish, like not demolish them. If the Nets win and they do it by scoring way more and it's not about, it's not about playing defense or like playing somewhat defense. I don't think this means, oh, defense doesn't matter anymore. I think this just means we're watching probably the greatest offensive team of all time. I think that's probably what it means more so than defense doesn't matter. So personally, what I would do is I would put Drew on Harden because I think you have to like Harden is what makes everything go this is Harden's okay Kevin Durant's probably the best player on that team maybe probably but Harden's the most Harden is the most valuable player on that team he runs everything for them he's the player that he's their Luka he's their well Luka is James Harden Luke like Harden Harden is Luka's predecessor Harden is there, Luca, LeBron, Chris Paul. And yeah, so he's the guy that brings the ball up every time. He's the guy that runs the plays. He's the guy that tells everyone where to be. And I think you have to make him struggle. You have to get ball pressure on him. 
and I would put Middleton on Kevin Durant because you just let Kevin Durant do, like with because I trust I trust Middleton to just guard him one on one and whatever Kevin Durant gets one on one I live with that. And I'll put Giannis on Kyrie honestly, frustrate him, frustrate Kyrie, and Kyrie's gonna try. Try Kyrie's like a true Kobe guy, so I think if you frustrate him, he's gonna be like, okay, I'll show you. And then he's going to take like 25 shots with Giannis guarding him. And I don't think it's going to work out that well. Obviously, you rotate, you switch and all that stuff. And the other thing I'm interested in is the Brook Lopez part. How much are they going to play him? Are they going to, are they going to play him a lot and post him up and like take advantage of players like that? Are, how, are they going to do the drop defense and who are they going to do it with? Because I don't think you can do the drop defense with... Kyrie and Kevin Durant and Joe Harris. But I think you can do it with James Harden. Because James isn't really like a... Like he can create his own shot, obviously. But he's not like a pull-up jump shooter. You know what I mean? Like his jump shot isn't like that. Kevin and Kyrie, their jump shot is like that. For the Bucks, And, you know, this is why I like the P.J. Tucker trade so much. Because if the Brook drop cover stuff isn't working, they can be like, all right, Giannis... You're playing center. We're putting PJ out there. And that's just how we're going to roll. We're going to switch everything. We're going to switch most things. We're just going to be more quick out there. We're going to be quicker with rotations, quicker quicker with the help and stuff like that. And, you know, they lost Dante. Dante was a good defender. He could guard one and twos. He was pretty... He, he was better on point guards than he would... He would have been good on, like, Kyrie and Joe Harris and stuff like that. But, like, he wouldn't have been good on James Harden. James too strong for him. And I, and another factor is like Brent Forbes played so well. Brent Forbes and Bobby Portis they played so well in that Miami series, and I'm not really sure how much they're gonna be able to play in this series because they have the the Nets. They have you know three ISO scores and mismatch hunters. So I wonder how much they're going to be able to play in this series and how much of a factor they're going to be. And um, from the net side, you know, defensively, it doesn't really matter. I think KD probably won't guard Giannis until, like, the fourth quarter. I think they're probably going to start with Blake or Claxton. I think those guys are going to guard Giannis. And they they do a lot of switching, so it doesn't... Like, it doesn't really matter who guards Middleton and, I guess, Drew. Because they switch so much. Like, I'm not... I don't know what to make of their defense like that. You know, this should be a big Claxton series. Because I think he matches up well with Giannis. Like, he's a little... He's not as strong as Giannis. But he does just match up physically pretty well with him. So I wonder how much of that we're going to see. I wonder how much of Kevin Durant we're going to see on Giannis. Because KD, he's able to get away with, you know, fouls and stuff like that. And what I'm looking forward to is James Harden and Giannis. You know, they had like the little back and forth. So I wonder if Giannis is like, all right, let me, let me go hunt James Harden. Because, James, like, I watched that Celtics series and James did not give a fuck on the perimeter at all. People were getting by him constantly constantly like not even like Jason Tatum it was like Marcus Smart's getting by him 
So, I wonder, but Giannis can't shoot. Actually, you know what? That's another interesting thing. So, Giannis had a terrible series shooting from the outside. So, I wonder if this series he's just going to be hot from three. And if he is, I feel like that's going to set up that's going to set up a lot of problem. That's going to set up some decision making that they're going to have to do, which is like if he's hot, are we going to are we going to guard him out there or are we just going to keep letting him shoot? Because if you guard him out there, he can get to the rim anytime he wants. The other matchup I'm looking forward to is just you know, Bud Bud seems to be trying every single thing he can this year. He just looks different. He just looks more confident. He just looks more adventurous. And it just, I, there's some, it feels like there's something unlocked within him or and that coaching staff. And with the Nets, you know, Steve Nash is first-time head coach. Mike D'Antoni, not really a defense guy. You know, the best defense they played was... They, I mean, like Mike D'Antoni teams, it was the 20, was it 18? Yeah, 2018 Rockets team, and all they did was switch everything. And they had good switch defenders. And so, like, they, they, it wasn't, like, great concepts or something like that. Like, like, the Lakers team this year was great concepts. That Rockets team, it was pretty much, we're going to switch everything, and we have switchable defenders. So, that's what they did. With this Nets team, they don't really have that. They don't have a P.J. Tucker. They don't have a Trevor Ariza. They don't have a Luke Mbamute. They don't have Chris Paul. They don't have Clint Capella. Who else did they have on that team? Eric Gordon was a good defender. So they don't. Eric Gordon was a good defender, and he was like a, a one, two, three defender. Like he was a thick boy. Still is. He's just bad now. Um, so they had a bunch of those type of players. And um, so I am interested in that matchup too because I just feel like Bud, you know, he's trying so many different things. Switching, he's playing Giannis a lot of minutes, he's playing Middleton a lot of minutes. You know, Giannis is setting so many ball screens, so many goddamn ball screens. He's turning into like probably the best version of himself with the skill set that he has right now. Because... You know, before he was handling the ball a little too much. And his post-up game wasn't that great. He does have like a little fadeaway that he goes to and it's it looks like it's working. I'm not sure how much, but it does look like it's been working. So he has that, but right now his skill set, he he's like a true power forward, rim running, you know, good playmaker type guy who can run in transition and who can also bully people he's not just trying to handle the ball and create for everyone else he realizes okay i have drew and i have middleton they're going to do the creating and i'm just going to create havoc out there i'm going to set screens for these guys i'm going to roll hard to the rim make you know the have the uh defense make decisions because i'm rolling to the rim and i'm the two-time mvp so you know, that, that's something the Nets also have to worry about, like, how they're going to guard that. Or maybe they're just like, you know what? Fuck it. We don't care. Get your 120 points. We're going to score 125. So that's interesting. We'll see what happens with that. I have I have the Bucks winning this one. I, like, I've, 
and I might just be completely wrong on it. I don't really care that much. It doesn't really matter that much to me. But the reason I say that is I think the Bucks can stay with them offensively because the Nets' defense isn't that good. So, like, the Bucks' offense is already good, and it's just going to be enhanced by the Nets' defense, lack thereof. And I think they're going to be able to match them on offense. And they're just a much better defensive team. They're going to, they're going to have stretches where they're going to have the Nets struggle to score just a tiny bit, just a tiny bit, where it's going to be a lot more ISO and they have a bunch of like good ISO defenders. So I have the Bucks winning in six or seven. Um, and the other reason is that even though I think this is like a true super team, the Nets, and like they might just be able to pull it out because they are a super team. I don't think this is the best super team that you could have made just with like how they allocated the talent. Because if you replace Kyrie with like Rudy Gobert or like another top 15 or 20 player, but he's a, it's a defensive player. Now, now, like, now I think that's good. Now I think that, like, this is good too, obviously, but now I think that's, that makes more sense. I think this Nets team, like, is ridiculously talented and all that. They could win the championship easily for sure too. But I just think when I compare this to other super teams, like, if you just talk about, like, their top three guys and how they match up together, I'm not sure I love this as much. Yeah, I just don't. Th- I just don't think I love this as much. Like if they had a Rudy Gobert out there instead, like I said, I think this would. I, l- I would like this team more. Or if they had like a 2017 Draymond out there instead of Kyrie, or like I'm even trying to think. Just some, just someone, just someone like that's a defensive anchor type of player. Whew, so yeah, I have the Bucks in six or seven. That's what I that's what I think. I wouldn't be shocked either way, but I have the Bucks in six or seven. Alright, let's talk about the next series. I wanna go to Denver and the Suns. You know, these two teams, they played early in the season, but it was completely different for the Nuggets. You know, Murray was there, Harris was there, Millsap was a starter, Porter was missing games because of COVID, Aaron Gordon wasn't there. So, like, those matchups don't really matter. The only matchup to me that matters, because, like, people kept talking about, like, oh, Portland has these two guards, and, you know, the Nuggets have no one to guard them, and they just proved, like, they beat the the best scoring guards in the league, right? The best back... Actually, I guess they're not because James Harden and Kyrie are there now. The second best scoring backcourt. They just beat them. And I think if you talk about backcourts, Damon, CJ are probably just as good as CP and uh, Devin Booker. Probably, like, probably just... Maybe they're, like, one spot behind them. But they're right there with them. Like... They're probably one spot behind, I think. And I don't know how healthy Chris Paul is, but I'm just assuming he's like 85, 90%. I'm, I'm assuming he's like 80%, which is good enough. So, you know, people talked about the Nuggets. You know, how are they going to guard the guards? It's going to be too much. And it turned out it wasn't. So I'm not, I'm not worried as much about that in this series. 
The thing I will the, the matchup that matters in this series to me is DeAndre Ayton and how he's going to do against Nikola Jokic. And because the Suns have the same problem that the Blazers do. And I can't believe they never addressed this. They don't have a backup center. I don't understand how they didn't address this. They have they, they played Dario at center a lot. They played Frank at, at center a lot. These guys will get killed if they're out there against Nikola Jokic. So if Jokic gets, you know, DeAndre in, in foul trouble like he did with Nurkic, it might just be game over right there. Um, the Suns are a much better team than the Blazers, so it might be harder for the Suns, I mean, the Nuggets to get those easy cuts and open shots. And... So we'll see about that. But from what I've heard from Suns fans, Suns fans, is that you know DeAndre in in the regular season really bothered Nikola Jokic because he is athletic. He's much more athletic than Nurkic, who if he went to go help, he, he couldn't recover to Jokic fast enough on pick and pops and stuff like that. Ain is he's not. He's not particularly that quick or fast, but he is much quicker and faster and more athletic. So he might be able to do that. And he is like 7'1", you know, long arms. So he might be able to bother. If he's able to bother Jokic, the series probably only goes like five games. And the other matchup that really matters... Is, I, actually, there's two more matchups that matter. Mikel and Jay Crowder on Michael Porter Jr. You know, Michael Porter Jr. is taller clay on offense. Uh, he's got a much higher release. Actually, you know what he might be? Because I don't remember Clay making this type of shot as much where he runs and he turns his body mid-air. Like, he'll catch it, and then he's turning mid-air to face the basket, and then he shoots. And Clay didn't really make those type of shots. You know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of Kyle Korver on, like, steroids. That's what Michael Porter Jr. is. Taller Kyle Korver on steroids. That's what he is. And because he can't handle the ball. Like, people, tr- like I've, I even thought about it for a little bit. Where it's like, oh, I see why he thinks he's, you know, Kevin Durant. Why he loves Kevin Durant. I see it. But he doesn't, he can't really handle the ball at all. You know, he can't create his own shot like that. He can't break his man down and get to the rim. You know, it's a lot of uh, cutting and, you know, r- Cutting and coming off screens, double screens, you know, finding his spot on the three. He is good off. He is good without the ball. Like he does set his man up pretty nice. So, you know, I, so how are Mikel and Jay, you know, gonna handle that? And if they're able to handle that, they have a good chance to win the series. And the last matchup is who's guarding Devin Booker. So Austin Rivers guarded Dame a lot. Composite guarded Dame a lot. Um, Aaron Gordon guarded him some, but they felt that Aaron Gordon as a help defender because Jokic, because Dame and CJ wanted to involve Jokic in pick and roll every time, and they needed to secure like the and Jokic was stepping up right, so that means they're essentially playing four on three, and what they wanted was Gordon to be the guy making 
the quick decisions four on three because he's so athletic and so big he can you know bump the roll man and still go recovered out to threes so that they felt that was better and you know what they made the right decision they got the ball out of dame's hands and you know gordon was flying around there but i want and i also think gordon isn't great with like quick guards and dame is a quick guard i don't think he's great with that but i think Devin is someone he can guard like for entire games i do think i think i think he can do that but i wonder if they're just going to stick to the game plan that just worked for them where it's like we're going to have aaron gordon on like jay crowder or mikhail and you know use him as that same you know man that's just you know, everywhere on defense when Jokic goes up to like hedge and meet uh, Devin and Chris Paul on pick and rolls. But the thing with Devin and Chris Paul on pick and rolls is they're not Damon CJ where they take 23 the game. They love getting into like that 15 foot area. That's what they love shooting. So I wonder how they're going to play that because Jokic isn't going to meet them like 30 feet out. He'll be fine with them shooting it. So, yeah, I wonder what they're going to do on that pick and roll. And I wonder how they're going to use Aaron Gordon. If I'm, if, I'm the, if I'm the Nuggets, I'm putting Aaron Gordon on Devin Booker. That's just how I would do it. Because I don't think Devin is, like, particularly quick. Like, he is kind of quick, but he's not, he's not that quick or fast. And I think Gordon can handle him. And, um, you know, hopefully they get Will Barton back. I think that would be huge for them. P.J. Dozier, I think, will be back. That's going to be huge for them. And um, I think it's going to be a fun series. On the other side, you know, the, stat, the, the stats still so mind-blowing to me where it's like, Jokic is better passing from the post, like points per possession. The Nuggets get more points when Jokic passes out of the double team rather than when he scores. So what the, what the Blazers did, what they were like, we're not sending that double team. You know, Jokic, get whatever you want on Nurkic alone. So I wonder if the Suns, I wonder what the Suns are going to do if they're like, you know what, DeAndre, you got him. You got him. You want this max this offseason? You got Nikola Jokic. One-on-one, we're not helping. And if DeAndre can do that, if DeAndre can bother him, because you're not going to stop Nikola Jokic. He's going to get like 25 to 30 regardless. You just want to make sure he does it on like 59% true shooting rather than like 65. So I think that's, I think that's the key for the Suns Nikola Jokic the MVP pretty obvious I suppose it's pretty obvious I suppose um, you know hope that what's his name Jay Crowder Mikel Cam Johnson campaign all these people all these you know players can make their open threes um, okay so my brain says Suns in six that's what my brain says. And that's what I'm going to go with. But what I want to happen is I want Nikola Jokic to win because I love watching Jokic play. But 
But I also love watching Devin Booker play. And I also want Chris Paul to like win a championship. Maybe not this year, but I just want to see him win a championship. So, and I, I do think the Suns are just better. Especially with no Murray, I just think they're better. With Murray, I would have picked the Nuggets in six. But no Murray. I'm going to go Suns in six. Yeah, I think that that sounds about right. Suns in six. All right, next series is... What other series are there? Uh, oh, yeah, 76ers, Hawks. All right, so this depends on a couple things here. How injured is Embiid? Like, is he 75% of his regular self? Is he 80%, 85 Is he 60%? Like, how many, is, how, is he going to play all the games? Is he going to play some of the games? But... I don't, so I don't know about that. I'm just going to talk about what I think the 76ers have to do to make sure to win with or without Embiid. And I think what, what they have to do is what the Knicks couldn't do, which was even though Trey, like if you look at Trey Young's shooting percentage, it was like 44, 34. So it wasn't great shooting percentages. But what they couldn't do was stop Trey from getting in the pain and creating something creating havoc in the paint, creating for others. He averaged like 10 assists a game. What they couldn't do, like Trey, Trey got to the paint anytime he wanted. Literally anytime he wanted, he was in the paint. So, you know, the, the Knicks had Reggie Bullock on him, Alec Burks on him, Derek Rose on him. They, they, they can't do anything with it. The 76ers, however, have Ben Simmons and Matisse Tybel that they can put on him for 40 minutes a night. Or however long, you know, Trey's out there. Um, so I think what they have to do is just make... They have to put all their attention on Trey and getting the ball out of his hand. Or just making sure... Just staying in front of him. Making sure he can't get into paint because that's when he kills you. Uh, but if he does get into paint, Ben and Matisse are two of the best at like recovering to the ball and blocking it from behind. And, you know, if, if they're both on the court, what you can do is put, like just have them take turns on Trey and the other one has to be on Bogdan. You can't, you can't like, trap Trey and, like, the ball gets to Bogdan because he's been too good this season. Um, so, yeah, I think what they have to do is cut off Trey Young and they can win the series with or without Embiid. For the Hawks, their record since Nate McMillan took over is 37 and 12. No, 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 not 37. My bad. 31 and 12. They were 27 and 11 in the regular season. And they went 4-1. It should have been 4-0, but whatever. They went 4-1 in the first round. So they are 31 and 12. So they're like a legitimately good team. The thing that worries me, like I talked about this before, John Collins has just become invisible. And it's because, like, they do the Trey Young, Clint pick and roll so much. Like, John Collins just ends up spotting up. And he's not, like, great on defense. So it's like, I don't know what he's going to do out there. Um, for the Hawks, they're going to have a lot of people to hide Trey Young on again. Like, Danny Green, he can hide on. Seth, I guess he can't really. He can kind of hide on Seth Curry, but not really, because Seth does do a lot of dribble handoffs, 
some ball handling and stuff like that. So I guess he's not really going to be able to do it. And they do a lot of Seth and Ben Simmons, you know, dribble handoffs, pick and rolls. That way, you know, if that way Seth can even pass it to Ben if Trey switches. And now, you know, Ben, he's an improved post player. He can take him to the post and bully him. And, like, make him work on, make him work on offense. Make him work on defense so his offense, he's, not, he's more tired and beat up for offense. Whew. Um, the other matchup, like, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to talk about just because, like I said, like, we don't know how healthy Embiid's going to be. The other matchup, of course, would have been Clint Capello, who, who's had a damn good season. Who's had a really good fucking season. If uh, Nate McMillan was there the entire season, I think you would have seen Clint Capella as like a second-team all-defense type player. Also, we need third-team all-defense. Please, NBA, get us third-team all-defense. Like, that needs to be a thing. Like, we have so much talent in the league, and there's so many more players in the league now. How there's no third-team defense is insane to me. And make it positionless. Um... So that would have been the other matchup. Like, I don't know how to judge that right now. And the third matchup is DeAndre Hunter, who's, who's looking like the DeAndre Hunter we saw in the beginning of the year. Like, he's taking off the dribble. He's playing good defense. Uh, you know, he's making clutch threes. Uh, he wasn't a great three-point shooter for the regular season, but he started off really good. When he came back, his percentages dipped, but, like, he was coming back from an injury, so don't really know how to judge that properly. So... Him on Tobias Harris, I think he's going to be the other one. Tobias had a great season. And if there's no Embiid, he's really like their own. I guess Seth Curry too, but like Seth is, a, he's not like a scorer scorer. He's not like a guy you can like run an offense through or be like your secondary um, offensive player. He's more like a Duncan Robinson, J.J. Redick type. Uh, Tobias is like a legit, like, give him the ball type scorer. And if DeAndre can take him out of the game, I, that, that matchup is really going to be important if Embiid is not healthy. Because at, if they're able to take out Tobias Harris, if Embiid is not healthy, they're probably going to win that series. Uh, this series is very hard to judge. Just be, Like, I don't know what, like, Embiid has a partial tear in his meniscus. And it's listed as day-to-day. I've, le- I've legitimately never seen something like that. Never. Whenever I see meniscus, it's like, oh, he's out for a couple months. But they put him at day-to-day, which... You know, I was listening to... I was listening to someone. I can't remember who right now. But they said you can actually play through it. Like, you can. But you just won't be 100%. It'll be like 75%. So... I, I don't know what the... I, I think what they're going to do is hold Embiid out a game. And, if like, try winning a game without him. Which they're capable of doing. They have enough talent to do it. Um, and if they're able to do that, they're going to hold him out another game. But if, he, if they lose, they're going to bring Embiid back the next game. And he's probably going to be, like, 70%. So, I'm going to say this. Oh, fuck. I don't know. Do I have enough faith in a 75% Embiid, possibly not even playing all the games? Do I have enough faith in Ben Simmons and Matisse stopping Trey Young? Do I have enough faith in that? 
I think this is what this I think this is what this comes down to. Ooh. I'm going to say Fuck, this is tough. Do I, like oh my god. Oh god, I don't know. I really don't know. I'm going to say yes. I have enough faith in Ben Simmons and Matisse stopping Trey Young. I'm going to say yes. So I have okay, I'm going to take the 76ers in 6 games to beat the Atlanta Hawks. And yes, that's it. All right, thank you for listening everyone. Yeah. I can do anything. Yeah. Hell no. Was too busy touring out all your arenas My passport is tatted, it look like it's active I play on these planes, y'all catch me in traffic Y'all drag me in court for that shit Y'all back was after all of these years of drug trafficking, huh? Time to remind me I'm black again, huh? All this talking back, I'm too arrogant, huh? What would you do? You knew you couldn't fail I have no fear of anything, do everything well I have no fear of jail, I was born in a trap I have no fear of death, we all wanna do that It's just life, I'm just nice Tonight I might raise my price, great advice Damn you ho, Jesus Christ I can do anything